we are changing the global conversation on emotional health and self-love. Our feelings are just feedback, and that feedback is constantly giving us valuable insights as to what still needs to be healed. It is that simple, and it is that complicated. When you continuously follow your passion and do what brings you joy, adding more pleasure and fun to your life, you can't go wrong. You can't fail. I pinky swear that to be true. Welcome to How to Be a Human with Lise Wilcox. I love this conversation. So Alyssa and I first met online through through your company because as somebody who and is very open about this, as somebody who's had a very complicated period for my entire life, I was so drawn to your business model of like you were a very early adopter of a subscription model service and the ad campaign like I think it was probably your first ad campaign that went with that launch right mm-hmm. yep 2016 and the it was an award-winning campaign <laughs> as, as I remember yes yeah it was crazy like I I'm not from the business world, not from the marketing world. And I kind of had an idea of like a marketing video that I wanted to put together. So yeah. I wrote a, a script for it. I shared it with a girlfriend and she she asked if she could run it by her boyfriend at the time who was a copywriter. So I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, by all means, I'd love any feedback. And then the next thing I knew, um, he told me that his creative director wanted to set up a meeting. And so suddenly I'm in this huge ad agency, the first one I've ever been in in my life. And And weren't you like 25 at the time as well? Yeah, casually. Yeah, 25. (laughs) Don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And I'm like presenting this business to them that hasn't launched yet. Um, And they really got behind it. They loved the idea and offered to do a pro bono ad campaign, which was just like unbelievable. Like I could never have afforded to work with them at that time. So yeah, they, they really helped me go through a process of trying to uncover like, what is the heart of what you're selling here? Yeah. And for me, it was this feeling that in my opinion, women do so much, like women are always juggling a million different things and taking care of so many people in their lives and cooking dinner and doing the laundry and working and just like, and then plus dealing with their periods and like, I know, I know. (laughs) It just felt like a lot to me. So I said my overall like kind of mission was to empower women in the sense of showing them about a better product, something that's safer for their health and also saving them time. Like, you know, you're going to need it let's just Mm -hmm. have it come to the door. And so Mm -hmm. what they came back to me with was this slogan of no shame. And I was like, okay, you guys get it. Yes. Yeah. It was, it's still, it might actually make me um, tear up. I still get the shivers when I think about it and I'm going to link some link to show photos of this ad campaign. It's Mm -hmm. so brilliant because it shows a couple changing the bed sheets that have blood on them. And I'm like, that has been a part of my life since I was 12 years old, waking up to like a blood stained sheet. And it's 
you know, in my own relationship experience in the past, that was not met with acceptance and love. And let me help you change the sheets. It was met with disgust, repugnance, what a fucking pain in the ass. Oh my God, you ruined something else. And it's like, so for me to watch this ad campaign, like decriminalizing the very normal and natural act of menstruation, it like, it spoke to me in a level that I can't fully convey how, like how special it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like we shot all those uh, ads in Toronto, like with people from Toronto and we thought long and hard about like what were the images that we wanted to show. And the agency had actually come to me with kind of some more like salacious images having to do with yeah. menstruation And I turned those down and I said, like, I don't think we need to beef up the experience for people. I think people who've dealt with it just want to see the truth, like Mm -hmm. just want to see a relevant image instead of like, Mm -hmm. I always talk about like the blue liquid being poured on the pad. Like, no, you got to think about the origin story, right? You think about these ad guys sitting around in the fifties and they've just developed (laughs) maxi. And they're like, okay, well, we definitely have to pretend this isn't blood going in here. So like, <laughs> let's make sure we use something that no everybody will know what it is, but nobody will actually. It's like, what were they thinking? Yeah. And I often like I'll post uh vintage like Kotex or yes. um, other period brand ads, and like it's so insane. Like this focus on like if you buy our product like the image is basically alluding to you can wear white on your period it's like I I don't want to wear white on my period I feel bloated I'm exhausted I'm not putting on white pants that's not my goal I just want something that works something that's safe and it's convenient like Mm -hmm. I just wanted yeah my goal with the no shame was just like I wanted something real like I wanted to create a campaign that like if I saw it I'd be like okay, the person behind this has actually had this experience and gets it. I'm sick of like the fake marketing ploys. It just doesn't feel right to me. I often talk about it, uh, particularly in the the self-help, growth, personal development industry, that we're still very much uh, like beholden to this image of life as a soda commercial. Like all you have to do is crack this can of soda and your backyard will be full of like beautiful people. The music will be bumping. Like everybody's <laughs> having a good time. And I feel so much in the personal growth and development industry. It's like, all you have to do is follow my easy five step, step system. And you will literally never have any problems again. And I'm just like, how are we still consuming this shit? Like life just mm-hmm. doesn't work that way. So anytime there's another brand or company, or again, like, ad campaign grounded in reality and and real life and real people real user experience I just like I, I nerd out over it so hard mm-hmm. I feel that yeah just honesty like I think mm-hmm. even like the idea of no shame really to me comes back to just like being honest being transparent yeah. like something feels shameful and feels dirty and like it has to be private <sighs> if it's never discussed, like Mm -hmm. if somebody always tells you to be quiet about something, then it feels shameful in a way. Like, so just being real, like it's, 
it sounds so simple, but it's actually weirdly profound in this area. And, and I don't think, I think it's getting better, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's still work to do. Well, it's just, it's, it's really mind-blowing to me. I've said a couple of times on this podcast before that, you know, coming from the perspective of emotional health, we are constantly in transformation, right? There is no one static state and we want our emotional health to be like, oh, I just want to be happy. It's like, you can experience happiness and you can be a happy person. And that doesn't mean you're always going to feel happy. Like we're constantly in flux. We're constantly in flow. And if you're a woman who experiences a menstrual cycle and, and, you know, postmenopausally, if you're, if you still experience these hormonal effects, your body is literally physically and chemically different week by week by week. And I love what you're saying that, you know, ignoring that or pretending it doesn't exist or not accounting for that in our day-to-day lives, like that feels irresponsible to me, to, to humans, to women. Totally. So huge. And honestly, a few years ago, I didn't have a good awareness of that. Like until I started actually tracking my period and seeing my cycle, like I could start to recognize that, you know, like the week before my period, it's better if I don't book myself solid because I'm exhausted. And the week after my period, I feel really good. So if there's like social things I need to schedule, that's a good time to do it. And I love, yeah, what you're saying, that idea of not only are we human and so we go through ups and downs and changes, but as a woman, naturally every month, mm-hmm. it, there's going to be a change. And like I I added my boyfriend or I asked him if he wanted to be and then I added him to my period tracker because it's like oh, I love he, that. he deserves to know too because like I really love that. On the tracker that I use, they put like storm clouds the week before your period. So now I can just say to him, I'm in the clouds. And he knows what that means. Do you use Stardust? I actually use Clue. Okay. I have the the Stardust app, which is a pretty new one, but it's so lovely. And they really come at it from like, this is your moon cycle and that like the full moon is coming. This is what it means spiritually and this is what it means in your body. Uh, And you can track. Um, you can track symptoms like cravings. Like I was really craving something salty or sweet, or I needed to lay on the couch. I had a headache, whatever it is. My Mm -hmm. sleep was disrupted, whatever. Um, but it's so funny because I'll wake up to like messages from them. (laughs) They're like, they're like, bar the gates, the floods are coming. And it suddenly, (laughs) suddenly it takes something that again, in my life specifically has been wrought with rejection, um, mm. which does a number on a person's emotional and, and mental health. Um, it adds this playfulness and this joy that all of a sudden it's like, oh, right. Like there's zero, there's zero things wrong with this. This is a part of my normal, healthy human body. Yeah. Yeah. In a sense of just being understood and being seen, like this is a real experience. Like it's, yeah. It's no longer just this thing that happens in the bathroom and yeah. it could go horribly in there, but then you got to walk out and just pretend everything's <laughs> fine. Like there are some the nights, campus. totally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There are some evenings where like I'm, my period is so heavy and I'm mm-hmm. just like, you're dealing with it like in the middle of the night and like mm-hmm. you got to change, like you leaked mm-hmm. and now you got to change pants and it's like, Obviously, yeah. there are bigger things, there are worse things, but it's this real experience. And it's like, yeah. 
I'm not going to necessarily go to my boyfriend and say, oh, I had to change pants. Like, but I want a dialogue around this. Like, I like to hear that other people are going through it too. And that it's not, it doesn't have to be this private in my bathroom thing only. Well, that, that's exactly right. That takes the isolation away. It takes the shame away from it. And it really starts to normalize the conversation. I, fi- I find that like the, you know, the pendulum swings from one side to the other, right? And I find sometimes there are comedians who are like, no, we, we're going to make this so front and center. All we're going to do is talk about our periods. And I'm like, no, you missed the point. Like that's isolating and exclusive in a totally different way. Cause like not everybody feels emotionally safe enough to participate in that level of conversation. Mm. So I love what you're saying, but it's just like, we're, we're just going to make it a part of everyday life, right? It's just, it's just opening up the conversation to like ready to be ready to have. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think I have a little sister who's eight now. Wow. And I think about the way that I was taught about periods. Yeah. So like the boys and the girls were split up into different classrooms. Yes. Um, I didn't learn much. Like I think a, a pad brand might've sponsored our mm-hmm. lesson that day. And so like they showed us like how to open the pad and stuff, mm-hmm. but there was zero talk of the emotional changes that might mm-hmm. come along with it. And that at different points in my cycle, I might feel differently. And I remember when I did get my first period, I was at the cottage with family and I was utterly miserable. Like everything everybody said was the most annoying thing I'd ever heard. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. Like I thought mm-hmm. something's wrong with me, which is what we go to if we have no other explanation for why we feel the way we do. Um, and it turned out right after that, I got my first period. So mm-hmm. my hope is that when Julia gets to that age, that we're talking about it in a whole new way and little girls are able to have an understanding that a process is taking place in them and it's okay and it's normal that they feel a certain way. So I, I love that. I have three little girls. Two of them are eight and one of them is 10 and, and I'm so passionate about this, right? Cause it's like, you know, for doesn't even need to be a pun, but like to break the cycle, (laughs) Like period shame ends in this household. And so even though the girls are so little, like I've, I've set them up with just like kind of fancy little pouches that have like very easy to access, like panty liners or pads in them. And I've had the conversation that's like, take this with you, just keep it in your bag. You're not going to need it for years. And when you need it, like it's right there for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I am really uncomfortable with cramps or what have you on the couch, I'm very open about like, no, I really have to lay low, uh, you know, not the, the, uh, I think it was like an old Advil or Tylenol commercial. That's like pain can't stop me. I'm like, pain can stop me. Pain can stop me dead in my tracks. Like I am definitely going to honor the pain that my body is experiencing and take it the fuck easy and lie down. And I'll be very open with my girls about that. And, and now like, they will go and get a hot water bottle ready or they'll go put like the magic bag in the microwave. Right. Mm. And it's so lovely. Like it's so simple and it's so lovely. Not only cause I feel like I have somebody attending, to, <laughs> attending to me, but it's lovely in the context that they're so a part of it. And they're watching that. Like this is one aspect of what happens when you have your period. That's maybe a day or two right? But it's developing that empathy, compassion, and grace for the reality 
of the changes every single month in a woman's body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And like that you show them that you can tend to yourself at that time. Yeah. Like yeah. you deserve the hot water bottle. You deserve the magic yeah. bag. For me, it's the heating pad. Like yeah. and taking <laughs> yeah. that time for yourself. And I also, yeah, I really love the idea of like having a pretty little bag for them yeah. of supplies because it, it takes it from being this thing that they'll probably hear about in books or yeah. movies that's like this scary occurrence to mm-hmm. like, I have what I need. Like I'm mom's prepared me. And who knows, like if they have that in their backpack, some girls these days are getting their periods very early. So maybe they're going to save the day for another girl in their class. Exactly. Exactly. So when you run a business like yours, I feel like it is not, it's not just about the ease of a subscription service. It's not just about offering like organic products for physical health. I feel like you run a mission driven company. Mm-hmm. I try. Yeah. I think I always <laughs> Can you speak to that. Uh huh. I've said that um, for me, launching the business was almost like a front yeah. because what I was really seeking was a community of people who, like me, wanted a creative lifestyle and wanted to bring things into the world that they thought would make it a better place. So, mm-hmm. Um, right in my first year, I started <clears throat> hosting my first um, dinner party, um, and I've kept doing that on and on. So I invite uh, 40 women to purchase tickets and attend. Anybody can. So usually it's people that follow along on our social media. And there's always a topic to the dinner. So we've done like body image, and we'll have guest speakers come in, self-love, um, mm-hmm public speaking, like a bunch of different things that seem to resonate with our community. And that is really my passion, like connecting with people in an authentic way, helping people to eliminate the fear that they have around creating in whatever form that shows up in their lives. Um, And I think, yeah, like transparency is another through line, like just Mm -hmm. keeping it real. Like I I never want anything that I put out to come out as too curated or um, too much about the image of it. Like it's always about the content for me and Mm -hmm. trying to always make it so that when I'm creating something, I'm thinking about how the person who receives it is going to feel after because there's there's too much out there that is making us feel like crap so I want our platform to be a place where people come and feel refreshed and re-inspired and remember who they are well and you and I mean your aesthetic is so beautiful that it feels curated but not in the sense of like oh we're going to publish this because it's on brand or it feels like curated to our brand. It feels effortlessly beautiful with a high eye for design. And you make it like as a, as a user, as a, as a consumer, it feels like it's effortlessly inclusive. And I feel like that has been, again, just as an observer, that seems to have been a big part of your, your entire vibe, your brand, your business from the beginning. Like, not inclusive, not inclusive for inclusivity's sake, but inclusive because like you really, you really get it. You really walk the talk. 
Mm-hmm. I think I come from a privileged place in that my family is so inclusive. Like my mom mm-hmm. is Irish, my dad is Jamaican, and then my extended family is everything in between. So I'm a mishmash myself and I can't um I can't separate that. Like I mm-hmm. if it's too much of one thing and not enough of another, I feel that viscerally. So it doesn't really take effort for me mm-hmm. to make sure that we're speaking to a broad range of women. Like it comes naturally. I feel like yeah, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but like I I've never resonated too strongly with one group over another or one culture over another. So I think that helps in my being able to or trying to speak to a large set of people, if that makes sense. Well, and it um, certainly through social media, it feels uh, so peaceful in nature and it feels like you are welcome here. It feels like the doors are wide open, that people are just welcome to simply be in that presence. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Yeah. That's so nice to hear. Um, can you tell us a little more about you and your story and how it led you here? Yeah, for sure. So um, I am somebody, so I studied psychology at Ryerson um, and I went on to do healthcare research. I just kind of fell into that field through doing a research thesis in my final year of university. And I never felt super connected to that work. I always, I found it interesting and I met really great people through it, but I knew that my true calling was something else. I am somebody who, since I was maybe 16, I've been devouring self-help books. Um, I'm a seeker, as some people call it. And I wanted to find a way to connect with people on a really human level and bring things into the world that I wanted to see. I have a lot of friends who are artists or in the film industry, photographers, and I always admired the way that they had a vision in their head of something and then they made it happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Despite how uh, unrealistic it might have seemed. So (laughs) I, um, in the summer of 2015, my mom, who is, was a single mom, um, got really, really sick. So it was a long time coming, but she ended up in a coma in the summer of 2015. She was in a coma for eight days. Um, two organs were failing and I was her power of attorney. So that, safe to say that was like the scariest time in my life. I didn't know what the outcome would be. And I was wrecked. Like I was, I went into survival mode and I was just like there and doing the things, but Mm -hmm. inside this was like my biggest fear being realized. Um, She's my person. So Mm -hmm. when she started to recover, she woke up from that coma on my 25th birthday. Wow. Um, And then it was like a pretty long road to recovery from there. But um that experience woke me up in a way that is hard to even like articulate. I went immediately from there into 
taking action on the business, which was an idea that I had had for years, actually, that I would talk about, but wasn't doing anything about. Mm -hmm. And I really, I think I just needed something to throw myself into. I was so shaken up. And honestly, looking back now, I think I needed something that I could have some sense of control over, where I felt so out of control with the situation with my mom. So that's what first led me to actually begin taking action on this tampon delivery service idea Mm -hmm. that I'd been sitting on. And it started to evolve like before we ever launched as I was just ideating and talking to people. It turned into an organic service, um, which later turned into a social enterprise where we donate 5% of profits to helping girls in Kenya access Mm -hmm. menstrual products. Um, So that's how it kind of evolved. And yeah, I too have evolved like as a person through all of this. I actually got sober the first year that I was in business. So the following year, 2016, mm-hmm. um, I've been sober sober now for four and almost a half years now. Congratulations. I've been sober for almost three and I'm just like, I'm just clapping for you. That's so wonderful. Wow. Congrats. Yeah. It's- <laughs> It's a game changer for sure. I think I really started to realize once I had something like the business Mm -hmm. that I cared enough about Mm -hmm. um, that I couldn't show up in the way that I ideally wanted to Mm -hmm. if I was hungover every weekend or two days out of every week. It just wasn't working for me. I couldn't be the sister I wanted to be, the daughter Mm -hmm. I wanted to be. And I certainly couldn't be the CEO that I envisioned in my head. Um, Those things just did not align. So that's been a really nice, um, it was tough in the beginning, but it's been kind of a shedding of something that wasn't serving me. And it's opened up space in my life for a lot more clarity and some really beautiful things to kind of take its place. Wow. Yeah, wow. that's me. That's my story, I think. Well, and then so fa- <laughs> you know, fast forward <laughs> is 2021, you know, in the past few years, <laughs> like you've been named a change maker, top 30 under 30. You've been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, Marketing, Strategy, Flair, like what allure, what, what does that feel like to have all of those accolades and like the weight of those publications and brands behind you it's pretty insane like I never pictured that happening and I'm really grateful for that um because it got like the business and my story and stuff in front of a lot more eyes yeah the Forbes article was definitely a moment for me like I Forbes was just always this prestigious kind of publication Mm -hmm. to me and like that felt like holy crap what's happening Mm -hmm. Um, but I will definitely say it's kind of popped this bubble for me where I have a deeper understanding now of the fact that, you know, the media always needs content. So like it was an interesting story and they picked it up and they wrote about it, which I, I love and I'm grateful for, but, um, what's more important is like, the back end, like how is the business really doing? How many people is it serving? Mm -hmm. Um, Is it improving? That kind of thing. Like for me, I know our our media presence and our press presence 
was way bigger than uh, the business itself, which is a crazy kind of trip where you're almost growing into the press that's coming out about you. And it's like, I need the business to catch up to (laughs) the buzz. So that was interesting to realize. And it's really taken the sort of like, I always thought like if I was, you know, had to lay out in space where those publications were and where I was, I would have put them up here and I'm down here. And it felt so nice to kind of have their light from up there shining on me. Um, I love, I love that. Do you, are you comfortable or do you subscribe to the notion of, of like quantum physics and parallel timelines? I don't know too much about that, but I do believe in like the law of attraction. I feel like that's related. Yeah. But tell me more. Basically that, uh, quantum physics gets so huge that I usually start to tune it out. Cause I'm like, no, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. And then I'm honestly not even going to believe that my living room is real. Like I, I have to temper my own, uh, my own expectations. Um, but I'm just thinking when you said, you know, like they're up here, I'm down here and I'm being like bathed in their light. I love that because when we say things like, you know, dress for the job you want, not the one you have, or really step into it and embody this vision of your future self, that's very real. It's very real physiologically. It's very real mentally, emotionally, subconsciously. When you actually start making decisions based on the kind of person you want to be, almost as if by magic, you suddenly find you are that person. So that, that came up a couple times when you said that, you know, sobriety was the right choice because the CEO you wanted to be didn't come to meetings hungover. So it's like, okay, perfect. So now I'm sober and suddenly I'm kind of a badass CEO, right? Well, (laughs) the business I want to run gets featured in things like Forbes and Allure and these like wild, (laughs) these wild publications. Um, And the business, you like, you got the feature and then you grow into it, but it's like, you're not even, even if you have five customers and then you've got this Forbes feature, like shining down on you, you have the Forbes feature shining down on you. So it's like you stop being in that present reality of, I only have five customers. And you're like, I actually have a Forbes feature, which means my business has weight, which means naturally you act from a place of immense growth and massive success. And again, it's like almost by magic, your client base has grown just because you've stepped into that reality. Right. It's like, it's very nuanced, but I, I do this work with my clients all the time where we, and for myself personally, where you almost like make a declaration of the vision you have. And it's like, okay, so, you know, Lise Wilcox in 2022 is currently doing this. And she's writing a letter to her past self, ergo moi, being like, man, I'm so happy and grateful that you did this and look where you've arrived. And you start to write it as if it's already happening. And then, it happens. <laughs> it's like you, you step into this reality you've created in the present moment for your future. It, but you write from your future to your past. It's, it's like so trippy, but I feel like you also do that very naturally. Mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I always, I've been somebody who always just writes to myself yeah. because it's just like a way of staying sane for me. Like I just write yeah. down what I'm thinking, what I'm working on, what I need help with. And it's really remarkable to look back and see like, oh my gosh, like even down to our logo, like I, 
I hadn't realized it, but I had years before written just in my own little bubble writing the logo and then forgot about that. Like that was said and done. I, I met a designer, worked with her. She came back with this beautiful logo. I fell in love with it. And then I looked back in my notebooks and I had literally drawn that logo. And it's like, yeah, sometimes, yeah, there's something that knows more than I do. (laughs) (laughs) And I love being, just being conscious. You don't even have to be conscious of it, but being open to the awareness that that is the reality it does so much for you. Right. And again, neurologically, like it teaches your brain that it's safe for you to dream. So when we kind of circle back to that wake up moment that you have, as we all have, I feel like you maybe had yours earlier than is typical for like human development. You had it in your twenties versus your thirties and forties, which is when people tend to have that, like, whoa, like, what am I doing here? I have like one chance at this. Like, how am I spending my time? Right. Mm. When you have that wake up moment, um, sometimes you get very clear on what it is you want to do and how you want to feel, but it becomes very scary. And that gets perceived as becoming very dangerous uh, in terms of having a dream or following through on your dream. And I feel like you get it that when you just like live the dream, it doesn't mean there's a big fanfare or this big flashy parade. It's just, you start to live it and embody it step-by-step day by day. And, and you consciously, unconsciously consciously create it totally I believe so strongly in that and I've been doing so much of that work over this past year because mm-hmm. uh, early in the pandemic I'll just be fully transparent because yeah. I think that's kind of the nature of this but I had um, three investors on board to do our first round of investor funding and yeah. s- papers were signed like lawyers documents were drawn up we were ready to go and then suddenly with the market beginning to crash um that was no longer um and that was huge for me like it took a lot for me to suddenly shift my vision of how the next year would look because I was so clear on on what I would do with those funds and how I would I would make things work um And so I've been doing this process of almost coaching myself to rethink and re-envision and really step into it, um, into who I want to be and who I want this business to serve and all of it. And do you know, I'm sorry for that loss. I, that's so, that's so painful. (laughs) Like it's so painful. Right. And you have that moment, like, and yes, you get through it. And yes, you know, it'll work out. And still you can't bypass that experience. You can't spiritualize that experience when things look like they're going a certain way. And you've like kind of committed all the visions around that. And then it changes. There is a loss that happens with that. And still, um, do you have a sense of what the next step might look like for you or for your business? Yeah, for me, I think, so we are doing some some new marketing this year. We really kind of scaled back on that over the past few years. But the important part and the part that I'm most passionate about is continuing to do like my workshops. Yeah. And I my intention is to take a course and begin to work with some people one on one. Yeah. Um, because mindset and 
you know, shifting the way you think to create the life that you want. Like I would spend every day talking about that, learning about that, teaching that if I could. And so, um, you know, I think like when you find something that you're that passionate about and you see the effects of it in your life, you really want to share it with people. And I don't think there's anything more worthwhile I could do with my time than teach something that's transformed my life to other people. So I want to you do are going to love NLP. If you haven't already, if you haven't already discovered neurolinguistic programming, you were going to love it. Ooh, yeah, no, I haven't. I've read a lot about it, but I, um, I'm looking forward to taking a course and really getting in there. Right on. It's really beautiful because like the, the training modality that I have is NLP. So neurolinguistic programming and also EFT, which is emotional freedom techniques. And it goes way deeper than what you think because mindset is like a part of it and it is a tip of the iceberg. Everything else is held at the subconscious level and in the actual neurology of our body. So when we have an experience in early childhood through which we uh, adopt or acquire a belief, our neurology embeds that as this is what is safe. So if that's healthy, unconditional love, beautiful. We have this beautiful baseline that this is, our brain is like, okay, cool. This is what love looks like and feels like. This like baseline safety system. And if the messages that we get in early childhood are not that, which I would argue is the case, probably 90% of the people in the world, (laughs) then your neurology becomes, oh, this toxicity, this conditional love, this baseline layer of rejection, cool. That's what feels like safety. And so then the function of the subconscious mind is constantly to sweep our environment, looking for clues and and signs of danger. And Mm -hmm. anything that is like a sign of danger or uh, anything it picks up to be dangerous is because danger to the brain means anything that is in opposition from the way it's always been done. So therefore, anytime something is about to go great, or somebody is about to offer this beautiful, juicy, unconditional love, or you're about to make a decision that is really healthy and serves you to move forward, if your brain has toxic messaging held at the subconscious level, like something you don't even have access to, your brain is like, nope, too dangerous, not going to do it. So people love to talk about imposter syndrome. They love to talk about um, self-sabotage. They don't love to talk about how to actually unlearn that. And this is how you unlearn it as you go deep, 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 deep into the subconscious mind and to the neurological safety of your body. And you start to release stuff from the past and recreate or reestablish new ways of feeling neurologically and emotionally safe. And when you do that, now you've changed a belief system. And when you've changed a belief system, okay, cool. Now you can safely change your thoughts. You can safely tune into this like different frequency. You really do start to operate at this different frequency. And that's what changes your behavior and ultimately starts to magnetize things towards you. It is like, (laughs) this is my passion. (laughs) So it's so fascinating and it's so beautiful to watch, to take through, to take people through and witness that transformation. I can just imagine because you know, if you're holding on to these beliefs that you're unaware of and they're yeah. affecting everything, yeah. um, and then to just gain this awareness and now have this new power to realize yeah. things in your life, like that's incredible. It's like 
I, there are so many metaphors that I'm just thinking, um, you know, imagine like you had an invisible electric fence around your yard and somebody told you this is an electric fence. It's invisible. You can't see it, but if you touch it, you will die. And if somebody you like love and trust t- tells you that you're going to believe them. Right. And so you live your entire life being confined in this backyard where you're like, I can't ever go past these limits because if I do that, I'm going to die. And then one day, like one day you find a way of bursting through that invisible line only to find out there was nothing there that whole time. <laughs> Suddenly you've got the entire neighborhood to explore and the entire city to explore. And it's like, that's what this work feels like. It's safely identifying what these limiting thresholds are and safely transitioning through them in a way that feels comfortable for your body so that you can have this long lasting transformative change that allows you to show up as you actually want to be in your life. So big. It's so big. (laughs) It's like, and like, again, when you think of having those wake up moments and then you think of how many, I think that it's like kind of built into our programming, right? That we are designed. It's a, it's a developmental milestone to have this wake up call. We call it a midlife crisis. And that has such a negative connotation to it. But for me, it's like celebrate the midlife crisis. This is a really beautiful time to wake up and take stock of what you've been doing in your life and what you're going to do next. And then like to have your entire game change and your world shifted to be like, Oh my God, there's a different way of feeling. And there's a different way of being. It's so radical. Oh yeah. And a crisis, yeah, sometimes is the only way. Like sometimes we're not ready to realize things until it's really necessary to do so, like for our survival. It's so true. So tell me what was, what stands out as one of the books that you've read that has been really impactful on your life? Mm, So many. So the first one I would say was The Power of Now. I read that when I was 16. My girlfriend and I both had read it and like marked it all up and highlighted <laughs> it. And then I would keep going back to it. But that really, I don't think I comprehended a lot of it at the time, but I think yeah. it got me into thinking about having an awareness of my thoughts. Right on. Um, like at that point, that was a totally novel concept to me. The mm-hmm. fact that my thoughts were happening and I could observe them and potentially direct them in a way that worked better for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another big one was A Return to Love by Marianne mm-hmm. Williamson. Um, I still That's return so good. to that to help me shift my perspective and get out of thinking negatively and judging and reminds me that if I want peace, mm-hmm. I better find the love in every situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And really to create that peace. Oh yeah. I am. Um, I've read all of um, Gabrielle Bernstein's books. I think mm-hmm. she's awesome. Um, the universe has your back is a really good one. She has exercises in there that I still turn to. Like if I notice I'm full of fear or I'm replaying like terrible scenarios in my head, she has some good activities in there to reframe. I don't like her. (laughs) Yeah. And she, I like for me, I don't know why she has such an established market presence because I've read her stuff and I'm like, you're missing 90% of the way that this works. Like, I feel like, and I know I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm like, this is an unpopular opinion with this, but I feel like she's not telling the whole story. So I have no idea 
her following is so big. <laughs> mm. I um yeah, I don't know. I've been following her like since her first book and like yeah. I've gone to her talks and stuff, but I think I agree with you in that there's like a certain layer that she gets to mm-hmm. and I have no doubt yeah that there are deeper layers, but I think mm-hmm probably why she has such a big following is so many people aren't ready to go that deep mm-hmm. like maybe she's mm-hmm. meeting people kind of where they're at yeah. yeah yeah what about music is there a particular song that like can make you just like dance down the street if you hear it or alternatively that just like brings you to your knees in that moment of melancholy oh my gosh so many but yeah. um Adore by Prince is mm. like my go-to. Like that song just does it for me every time. I feel like it has both of those elements in it. Like you want to dance, you also yeah. kind of want to cry. It's all like that's that was such a specialty of his, don't you think? For sure. He takes yeah. you on a journey. Like totally. <laughs> totally. Um yeah, that's a good one. Sade is somebody I go to. Like if I yeah. want to just like have a bath and chill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom listened to a lot of Sade when I was little, wow. so I feel like it really like brings me back to myself. Yeah, that's um, so sweet. Yeah, music is big for me. Like, I have a playlist for every mood. Oh, right on. <laughs> and do you you have friends? You have such an artistic community and uh, and such a like an artistically enriched peer group. Do you have a lot of musicians that you're close with? I do in a weird way, not like um, famous musicians or anything, but Mm -hmm. like a lot of my friends have self-taught themselves Mm -hmm. instruments or just like dabble with different instruments. Um, I'm trying to think through my friends. Yeah, there's a lot of music in my life and a lot of Mm -hmm. uh, art and creativity, Mm -hmm. which I'm grateful for. You said that you have um, friends in the film industry as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my best friends and lo- my oldest friends is like a self-taught director of photography and wow. has really like he's uh, an example of somebody who envisions a version of themselves and then just makes it happen. Like, wow. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. I am so interested right now in the behind the scenes of the way things are made because Oh my goodness, the the process to get an idea actually developed into a show or movie, it is like it's like not dissimilar to the story of conception. It is like a one in a trillion chance that this happens. There are just so many obstacles that you know writers are met with on again from that that journey from like idea to congratulations, you have a show or you have a movie. It is just Mm. outstanding to me. And to run that through, you know, all those insane odds and then get all the talent on board, figure out how to beautifully direct it and shoot it and then edit it. I'm just like, this is an actually (laughs) magical process when you bring it down step by step. (laughs) Totally, totally. I know. I was watching something the other day. What was it? Somebody... Like it was a singer, a guy singing. I can't remember what the show was, but I was thinking to myself, can you imagine all of the steps that had to happen for him to be on that stage performing for people there? Like, first of all, he had to try singing. 
believe when he heard his own voice that, yeah, I have something here. Be confident enough to like share that with people. Then find an agent, like just on and on and on. And like so often we see the final product and like we appreciate that. But then I guess once you've really done something yourself, you have this awareness of like, wow, that took so many steps that we are not seeing right now. It's monumental. I know. I agree. And and I love that. I love that you are really passionate about, you know, this Trojan horse into supporting and nourishing, nurturing a creative community. Because again, in my own work and my own experience, like we are all creative. That is, that's a part of the human experience is to create the, like the act of becoming human is a creative act. And yet so many of us feel so resistant to engaging in that creativity or to honoring that need for creativity because of the fear of rejection. And even if we don't articulate it as fear of rejection, it is, it's fear of rejection and and fear of, of judgment. Right. And I love that you can offer that level of support in such a beautiful, accessible way to people who just need that little extra bit of encouragement to embody their own creative passions and truth. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You need someone to believe in you in the beginning. Like when you have that first like vulnerable idea and you decide who's the first person you're going to share it with and get feedback, Yes, you just need a little water on that seed because it's so vulnerable at that point. And I totally had people who, when I shared this crazy delivery service idea, were like, hey, you might have something here. And that meant the world in the beginning to just hear that validation. Isn't that, it's like, you cannot put a price on that. The idea that somebody believes in your own success is like, oh, I'm good. Like I am, I'm just good now. <laughs> totally, 100%. Um, in terms of what do we do next? Like what are, what are lifestyle friendly, actionable things we can do as a collective to further the work that you've done so far on de-shaming periods, normalizing women's emotional health, physical health, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always say that it has to start with us. Like mm-hmm. we can't expect society or our boyfriends or yeah. whoever to, uh, especially corporations and advertisers yeah. to appreciate and validate our experience if we're still hiding and if we're still shame feeling shame about it so I think it starts at home it starts with us and how we view this experience of ours and it might be a process like you said like if somebody has shamed you around it maybe you feel that maybe you've adopted that shame um but it's a matter of just looking at it first and like forgiving yourself for the shame and then starting to try to reframe the way you think about your period and maybe trying to see the beauty in it or the power in it and the fact that this process is part of our ability um, for some of us to give life, which is pretty freaking incredible. Um, Yeah. So I just say like literally and honoring yourself. So like get a period tracker app, know your cycle and honor when you need more rest and honor Mm -hmm. when you're on and when you need the magic bag, like just Mm -hmm. having some reverence and respect for your experience of it. And like we teach people how to treat us. So like you said, your daughters have an awareness that at this time of the month, 
like mom wants to lay down and she needs her magic bag. It's like now they know. And all of us can take from that and teach the people around us that like this is an experience to be respected and and I deserve a little loving around my period. You know, not that a period is an injury like in any way, but I'm thinking if you had like a torn ACL or you have plantar fasciitis, it's so easy to involve people. It's like, listen, I'm going to be hobbling to the kitchen because my foot is really (laughs) sore or like, I can't, I can't do that today because my knee is really flaring up. It's like, oh, that's totally fine. So I love like just simply putting language to it is so empowering and it's so powerful to just make it again as part of daily normal life which it is mm-hmm. yeah like come on it's too like we've come too far for this yeah. to still be something so that true. we're <laughs> shameful about like give me a break it's so true it's insane um, lastly in your own words how do you be a human like what's the secret how to be a human Oh, God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Holy crap. That's a big question. Uh, Man, you just, uh, how do you be a human? You relax into it. You breathe a lot consciously. (laughs) And forgive yourself. Like, just... You know, like you do your best and you keep learning and keep forgiving yourself. And um, yeah, that's what I have. <laughs> I am. I'm here for that. I would get behind <laughs> that. No problem. <laughs> uh, Alyssa, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. There is no magic formula. Except knowing that the magic formula is that we are all figuring this out, that there is no real end point. Each and every one of us is in a process of self-creation. What if there is no right way? What if there is no wrong way? What if there's just your way? How freeing would it be to know that every decision you make is the right decision for you? Can you love yourself enough to detach from outcome? or from judging that things are good or bad and accepting that they just are? Yeah, you fucking can.